Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to the Bean, the weekend edition. First with yesterday's news, and the day before. Yep, Saturday, Sunday, weekend. Uh, you know how it works. Uh, we've got Troy Savan on the podcast this morning. Um, he's here, uh, I think he's here because he's a gay icon or something. I don't know. Um, play some music. It's it's we're love, lovely to have him here anyway. Uh, the Cricket World Cup, not so lovely. The uh, plastic bag ban, it's finally arrived as well because it's July now. Uh, and uh, finally, a little US poli- politics wrap. But before any of that, uh, the right to die bill was a big story last week. Uh, here's somebody from Canada who's killed heaps of people. You have assisted 150 patients in Canada. What has that experience been like for you? It's actually been um, extraordinary. I- I've met some really incredible people who've been very brave, who've come forward with, mostly with the support of their family, and um, they've been incredibly grateful for the help I've been able to give them at the end of their life. And so it's been very, very meaningful work for me. What are the main reasons people give for wanting an assisted death? Well, there's a number of reasons, but the, the primary reason is usually because they've, they've become unable to do, to do any activities that bring any sort of meaning to their life. They've kind of lost the ability to be the husband, the wife, the child, the, the, the lover. They, they've lost their ability to do what they used to do, and they've lost any sort of autonomy. Um, and and that, that, for them, is intolerable. What percentage of those that seek assistance receive it, Stephanie? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you there. So what what percentage of those that seek assistance actually receive it? Oh, I see. Sorry. Well, well, we know of all the deaths in Canada, only 1.5% of people actually uh, have an assisted death. But of those who seek an assisted death, it looks like approximately two-thirds will actually go ahead and have an assisted death. Some change their mind, though very few. Some actually die while they're going through the process or maybe lose their capacity to make this choice. And some people simply don't meet the criteria in Canada. So about, about two-thirds go ahead and about one-third do not. Jeez, it's a pretty crazy thing, isn't it? I mean... I guess even if you support it, uh, when you actually think about the ramifications of somebody having to do it, 150 times. Um, Here's uh, Troy Savan, pop star and gay activist. It must be nice, given everywhere you've taken the Bloom tour so far, to finally be coming home down to the South Pacific, New Zealand and Australia. Yeah, I mean, it's literally the best feeling in the whole world. I... I've been nagging absolutely everyone um, who helps kind of like put together the tours and stuff to make it happen for the longest time. And um, we've been trying, you know, and then uh, like venue availabilities and stuff got in the way and finally it's it's happening. So I'm, I'm so just like excited and it's also just an excuse to, you know, come home for a while. So yeah. it's, it's really, really nice. I'm excited. Do you get homesick? I really do. Yeah, I do very often. Um I I really, really miss my friends and, and my family. I get to see my family quite a bit because they come out and see me and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just miss I miss Australia and I miss that, that part of the world. And, and I think it's kind of deceiving when you first get to America. You're like, oh, okay, cool, this isn't that different. And then slowly but surely the cultural differences kind of start to sneak up on you. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just an yeah. adjustment. You know, both are great, but I'm definitely excited to get home. What sort of cultural adjustments do you, do you notice or cultural differences? I mean, I think, like, one of the big ones is um, work culture. You know, people really, really 
work a lot in in America, and and I feel like um, maybe it's out of necessity, you know, because we get like great you know healthcare and stuff like that yeah. in in our parts of the world. But um, but you know, so it, the kind of like focus on quality of life in Australia and New Zealand, I think, is is really really important, and and I love that. Right. So we're lazy, but that's good. Is that what he's saying? I may have misinterpreted that. Um, good on him. I agree. Uh, uh, the Cricket World Cup. Oh, jeez, that was horrible. Just horrible yesterday morning. With the Black Caps. What the hell's going on there? Brian, you to start with. We've seen this before, mate, and you've seen it many times. Yes, indeed. And it was another disappointing performance. Bearing in mind, we've had some pretty good performances from this New Zealand side. They're capable of better, but they lost their way with the ball and they didn't seem to have an adequate plan against a very good Australian attack. They conceded too many runs and they struggled to really chase down a total that in normal circumstances, it's modest, but on this pitch, it was uh, you know a, a little more difficult. So uh, they made it hard for themselves now in terms of the semi-final situation. Jerry, cut it down to the bare bone. Inadequate is that the word you would use in terms of especially our batting? Well, timorous, I think. Um, I think that uh, the batting, the, the the chase was always going to be a challenge, uh, Martin. Uh, it was a slow, sticky pitch and, and not, you know, if you got the ball in the right place as a bowl, you did your bit, then it was pretty hard to, I mean, you look through the Aussie batting as well. No one really looked comfortable other than that guy, Carey. Uh, and he made it easy for Kawaja, who we dropped a few times. So, um, you know, Kawaja didn't have to worry about a strike rate once that guy, Carey, started to get his drives going. So it was always going to be a wee bit difficult. Um, and they bowled straight, and they didn't give us much room for cuts or for pulls or anything like that. So we we got ourselves into a situation where we didn't quite know what to do. Well, don't try and cut and pull would be my suggestion. And why do you need to when you're chasing less than a runner ball? Very, very just stupid cricket, wasn't it? It's annoying. I'm sure they'll sort it out for the next one. They've learned their lesson, let's hope. Uh, actually, they, they haven't exactly been dominant, have they? I mean, even the games they've won, they've only just won. Let's be honest. Anyway, all the best for them. Uh, the plastic bag ban comes into effect today because it's July 1. Here's uh, the minister in charge of taking our bags away. So you're banning single-use plastic bags? Yes, indeed. It was signalled um, last August. The uh, decision was made in December, so there's been a, at least a six-month phase-in period, and we've already had uh, progressive supermarkets count down our foodstuffs, moving to phase-out single-use shop bags, and a really good uptake of people shifting to reusable bags. Yeah, 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 Janie, I hear that, but here's the deal. I have never, ever in my life single-used a so-called single-use plastic bag. Not once, not ever. I, do, I, I use them between three to five times at least. That's good for the environment. I don't get why you're banning them. Well, you're good at doing that, but because they're so lightweight, they end up going into streams, rivers, into the oceans. We've had whales where they've clogged their digestive systems, seabirds, um, marine life get tangled up in them, and they degrade in the marine environment. Tiny bits of plastic, which ends up in the marine food web. So phasing them out means that tens of millions of these bags won't be going to landfill, and there'll be much less risk of them ending up uh, in rivers and streams and in the oceans. Do they end up in rivers and streams or do they end up in landfill? Which one? 
Well, some of them, because they're so lightweight, they blow around. And they, there's been a number of cases where we've had marine life, which have been, and when they've died, there's been a, a necropsy of them and they've had them in their uh, stomachs. And they break down into these tiny plastic particles. So getting them out of um, the supply chain, having people shift to the much stronger reusable bags is really good for the environment. Uh, we'll get used to it, I suppose. That's the thing, it's actually not the end of the world. And I suppose it might help prevent the end of the world. I suppose we'll get used to it. Um, one thing, it's very hard to get used to because of the random things he says day after day. Donald Trump being in charge of all of us. Uh, so why haven't the Democrats really put forward a viable alternative yet? My favourite American politico is the comedian and provocateur Bill Maher. And he made a really good pitch for this candidate last week. A candidate who would dazzle the electorate with their star power. A candidate who would cut across economic and racial lines, the groups by which we try to define voter blocks. A candidate who says they've been offered campaign financing by billionaires who've pleaded with them, nay begged them desperately to enter the race to take down Donald Trump. Yes, Bill Maher reckons this candidate is the only sure thing, the only person in a population of, what, 340, 350 million people guaranteed to unite Democrats and independents and to sow the first patch in unifying a divided America. It might sound absurd. It might. But I can't think of a, a really good argument against it. And just imagine, 16 months from now, in 16 months' time, President Donald Trump defeated by President-elect Oprah Winfrey. Yeah, except I've not seen her at any of the debates, as far as I'm aware she's not running. So, is it? I don't, I don't understand where he's coming from there. Um, do you have a favourite prov- provocateur, by the way? It's a, I see Jack Tames, Bill Mars' favourite provocateur, apparently. I'm just trying to think who my favourite provocateur is. Um, and in order to do that, I might actually just have to quickly check out the definition of provocateur. And in order to do that, I might have to spell it even remotely correctly. Tricky. I am Glenn ZB. Uh, that has been News Talk ZB in the weekend edition. I'll be back with more misspelling for you tomorrow. See you then. <laughs>